Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Brewing with BIM. I'm Joe Whitney, and as always, with me is Dave Campbell. What's going on, Dave? Hey, Joe, not much. Another beautiful day in the world of BIM. Yes, it is. Well, I'm afraid we're probably not going to be talking too much about BIM today, but we're going to be talking about some awesome technology. We've got Steve Hill here with us. Um, before we dive in, guys, i got to ask you, what are you drinking? I'm drinking uh, Sketchbook Brewing Company up out of Evanston, Illinois, and uh, I've got their barrel-aged uh, beer here. Nice. Heck yeah. I'm actually um, kind of double-fisting again. Uh, this time I still have As that you case. Do. Yeah, <laughs> right. I still, I still have that case of Gumball Head from Three Floyds, which is a pretty solid beer, um, but uh, I'm pairing it with I finally opened that bottle, man. I, I talked about this a, a, a few podcasts back about getting a bottle of uh, Rogue uh, whiskey and, that they actually age in barrels in the in the sea. And uh, I had finally gotten a bottle of it and popped it open just for today's podcast and uh, deciding to enjoy that next to my gumball head. Nice. Well, that's, that's good, man. I'm uh, not drinking anything near as good as you gentlemen. I am uh, drinking Corona Lights, and it's 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 good. Don't get me wrong; it's just not by choice. My uh, uh, in-laws were in town over the weekend, and he only drinks. My father-in-law he only drinks like you know Corona Lights and Tecate Lights and all that some Modelo. Um, so I was like, oh yeah, I'll uh, I'll get you some of that. Well, come to find out, he's on a you know gluten kick or whatever it is, and so I'm stuck with some Corona Lights, but they are quite refreshing because it's pretty warm outside. Yeah. I was going to say, actually, dude, I love a good uh, Mexican lager or, uh, well, Tecates, the Modelos, the, uh, oh, gosh, starts with a P, oh. I can't, Pacifico. Pacifico. Pacifico, yeah. Yeah, those are great. Drink it. They're great beers, especially those are, hot. Those are lawn mowing beers, man. I, you know, yeah. put a little cup holder on my lawnmower and go out there and crush it. <laughs> I'm a little jealous of your sketchbook brewing here, though. I've never had sketchbook brewing. I love the name, though, and it's fitting because... Uh, we're going to be talking about some Autodesk stuff here, and it makes me think of Autodesk Sketchbook for for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, they've, they've been around for a little while. Um, my wife got me into them uh, when they were real small, but they're they're just a microbrewery up here and uh, do do a lot of really cool stuff. There's used to have uh, one of their name brands is Orange Door, and we would uh, have to go in through the alley and find the orange door on the back of the building, and you knock three times and get in and you know, get a growler of beer. That's very like kitchen, man. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. It's like a, like a, a low key thing. Mm-hmm. Very uh, prohibition era. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, uh, Steve, you know, you were gracious enough to send over some of your, your plugins. I apologize. I, this is how bad I am. I have not had a chance to install them just yet. And that's on me. It's just, I had vacation timing but i'm going to start diving into those this week um 
I wanted to, uh, you know, chat about your plugins a little bit. Before we do, uh, do you mind telling everybody who you are and, and why you do what you do? Yeah, uh, I'm Steve Hill with Red Transit Consultants. Uh, I've been in the civil engineering uh, design industry now for a little over 20 years. Um, started up out of mid-Michigan and with a small engineering firm there and uh, was with them for 10 or 11 years, uh, all the way up to you know CAD management and running efficiencies and trying to uh, just be as productive as possible and get drawings out and done accurately and uh, looking good, um, you know, with accurate data and all that. And you know, we started with the land desktop side and learned that and then uh, did a lot of Autodesk universities and learned civil 3D when that first started coming out um, and had them switched over fully to that by 2010 version. Um, and then I've kind of been around since then. I, I moved out to Pittsburgh for a short period of time and, uh, you know, learned more about civil 3D there with some some great experts that I worked with out there. Uh, yeah, yeah we've got now, some uh, common friends out here, man. Yeah. Yep. And uh, now I'm out in Chicago. And uh, so over the years, I've always been, uh, you know, trying to think of ways to make the software more efficient um, from a drafting and design standpoint and you know accomplishing the tasks that us as designers have to do um, a day in and day out basis as we're asked for you know from various engineers and it's always different opinions about how things should look on the plans or how they should be done um, across the board but you know based on different engineers opinions and whatnot and so um, it's always been trying to you know, find that um, place that works for everybody and and makes it efficient and and gets gets the plans done. Um, and so I you know I started dabbling with Lisp over the years and got into .NET and I say self-taught, but it's a lot of um, late nights and weekends reading blogs and uh, searching the forums on how to write in .NET. And so um, now I'm 10 years. Uh, probably closer to 11 years into into .NET programming and um, have written a lot of tools around uh, the civil 3D arena that have gained a lot of popularity. And uh, about uh, four and a half years ago or so, I was able to go full time on my own with it. So, man, that's a. Uh... That's kind of the dream, right? Like uh, I already told you this previously, but I'm I'm a little uh, envious of uh, being able to, you know, just make it, right? You just you got enough contacts, you you've got great tools, they stand for themselves. You just go into business for yourself, man. And and uh, I'm I'm always envious of people that have uh, jumped out and done some contracting. We've got friends, you know, across the, the globe here that uh, jump out and do their own contracting, and and uh, a few that have done tools. But man, I'm this is awesome. And, and uh, your Autodesk expert, Elite, which is freaking phenomenal. Um, one of my friends and a friend of yours who actually has been texting me. Sorry, I don't know if you heard that ding. I've been getting uh, text messages uh, to razz you a little bit because he wanted me to give you a hard time. Uh, <laughs> Rob, Rob Sinclair did. Um, but, yeah. you know, like. What were some of the things that like you initially built your tools for in the first place? You said you wanted efficiencies. Dave and I like we chat about this all the time. Like our podcast should not be called Brewing with Bam. Like we should be brewing with information or or you know something about 
efficiencies or just making things work cohesively in better manner and, and all flow through all, all avenues of the project. Um, what are some of the, the the key things that you started solving early on that you were just like, oh man, like this is driving me crazy. This is a list routine or, you know, I'll write the, the you know, the visual basic script for this to solve this uh, because um, the LDD thing that you were talking about earlier, man, like that, that operates way differently than civil 3D LDD. Um, it's kind of night and day. I mean, we had survey databases back then. You got survey databases now, but it just behaves in a different manner. LDD, you had more, it was an AutoCAD program. You had more uh, ability to edit things. Uh, not that Civil 3D isn't. It just seems to function a little bit differently for me. Um, so how did you bypass that? Like, what were some of the things that you wrote in the early days? Yeah, so, I mean, it all started uh, around LDD and writing um, some Lisp and, uh, you know, just automation of various tests. There was, I remember one aspect in LDD that was trying to stylize profiles because every time you'd bring them in, they would come in um, on these various layers. And, you know, it was always, it seemed like it was always white and, you know, you had to set your, your colors and your line types and all that. So it was kind of starting in that arena and trying to uh, just script out some of that stuff. Um, and we got that working. And then, yeah, when Civil 3D came out, um, you know, it was it was a lot of learning around the styles side and writing things for styles um, and, and automation. And that was really some of my first tools I wrote was around that side of things. Um, there was some stuff uh, dealing with map 3D um, uh, with like soil boring, whatnot. Um, these are things that I just wrote for myself over the years just to make my my workflow more effective um but ultimately what really took off for me was pipes um you know pipe networks and civil 3d they're just um i've never been a big fan of of rules and how they work in civil 3d because they're always running in the background and oh, it's an um, antiquated dialogue box too man um, yeah yeah and it, it, the, the whole design process of laying out a pipe network in Civil 3D just didn't, um, it just wasn't effective. You know, you're, you're usually going from one structure upstream, you know, down to a, an end, end pipe or structure downstream at, at a constant slope between these um, two structures. And, uh, you know, it could be one or two pipes, it could be 10 pipes. I mean, in civil 3d you have to go one by one through this network and change all this and um and it was not effective going from plan view and profile view and um so i had seen a few examples on how to do this online um through some blogs and things like that but then it was just you know i'm, I'm gonna string together some tools around this um and uh just just started really writing a whole suite of tools around pipe networks and um you know, just tools that we need in the industry to, you know, to uh, quickly raise lower a pipe network, um, you know, swapping multiple parts, which has been a big one. There's been a, a number of developers out there that have now written that um, because it's there in the API and the capabilities are, are there. So, um, and uh, yeah, just a, a lot of tools around that pipe network has been my um, kind of bread and butter, but um, I've gotten into a lot of surface stuff too. I've done uh, a lot of landfill design in my day. Um, I spent five years with a with an environmental firm that just did tons of landfill work. And um, so tools around 
you know, finding a specific grade up a slope or something like that um, and trying to uh, get that accurately and uh, as an object type that, you know, you're you're wanting to utilize to build like a access ramp or something like that up the landfill side or into an access pond or something like that. Um, so, yeah, it's just all been a lot of a lot of tools like that to help um, the grading process, the design process primarily has been my um, my goal of trying to, you know, just make that more effective. Yeah, I um, so that environmental firm, I, I might know who you're talking about, uh, where um, they were they're, they're still doing a lot of that stuff and they um, are doing stuff with the surface and wanting to change some stuff. And it, I think like the the new thing, though, that people are, you know, like programming for civil 3D is is a tedious thing, right? Lisp routines, you know, you know, eight years ago might have been great nowadays people shy away from them and in favor of hiring somebody to develop like yourself or finding some off the cell off the shelf uh, tools like yourself like you also provide um, but I'm starting to see a lot of people get more into dynamo have you done anything with dynamo yet yeah I have done uh, some dynamo scripting um, and it, it is really a great tool um, you know for but it still takes uh, that kind of programming mindset to get into dynamo and uh you know you're thinking about the hierarchy of the api there's still you know you still have to look at the nodes and what the nodes are expecting um passing objects into it and what's coming out of them and the nodes uh, have to be available they already like they have to right. be created and we're yep. seeing a lot of things in the civil side where things are not yet readily available not that they're all the way available for for uh, revit or anything like that like uh, dave and i do some stuff with um, structural components in revit but like right. it just still seems to be a lot that needs to happen and for us like what we see for dynamo it's uh, a routine that you run uh, uh rarely often because it's a one-time patch but it becomes tedious if you want to run it multiple times like um it's a regular tool you know it's almost as, almost in my mind more efficient just to have it baked into your tool set like a in your in your uh, in your ribbon like a plug-in in your ribbon is that yeah. what you're as well? I, I, yeah. I would definitely agree with that as well. I mean, I, I would say it, it kind of depends because as, you know, Steve is saying, like, if, if you understand, you have to understand the coding language, you know, and how everything goes together. But there's also areas where you can start writing your own script within Dynamo. But again, that's going to take that experience you to be able to understand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, and you need to know the commas. You need to know the semicolons. You need to know yeah, what syntax like, and you need to know what it's looking for. So that's going to still take that experience. I mean, it's nice that we have those, um, like the downloadable kind of scripts, right? And they're building a free library, which is awesome. I, I think it is really awesome. But at the same time, um, you know, getting into those, it does take, again, some experience even to be able to adapt them, to modify them to what you what you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, if you can find something that's that's working, um, it's kind of like your, you know, the Lisp routines. You know, if you're working with AutoCAD, you go out there and search the internet for a Lisp routine, grab it, and you know, and use it to execute some some function that you need done. I mean, same thing with Dynamo. I mean, you can you can write your own. It's still you're still spending time with the debugging and trying to get it working and trying to figure out what is exactly uh, what it's yeah. doing. 
you know, and yep. once you get it, it's great, you know, and if it's something you're going to use over and over and again, it's, it's, it's great, but you still have to have that API knowledge and, and some level of programming to understand what it's doing. Now, you don't have to get into advanced stuff like .NET and, and whatnot, but, but there is, like you mentioned, David, that the, the ability to do Python scripting um, within that, but, you know, that's a, that's a higher level of programming too, to, to have to implement there, but there's exactly. other means of Dynamo too. I mean, um, to my knowledge, Dynamo only operates on an individual file, um, and so yep. you can't you can't um, process a bunch of files all at once. And so there's other um, access points. I don't know if you guys have heard of um, AC Core Console. Um, is something that Autodesk um, rolled out with AutoCAD back in like 2013 or 2014, and it's uh, essentially AutoCAD um from a uh, command prompt window and so you boot it up and all you see is is the autocad command prompt um and you can open drawings and execute functions on it but the the, the beauty of it is you can actually call it from a batch file or your own pre-programmed exe file and execute a script list routines net files all that stuff mm-hmm. on a multitude of files all at once that's um, beautiful. That's beautiful. I, I mean, you could standardize a lot of files at one time, clean them up, get rid of a lot of stuff, uh, get them ready. Yep. So there yep. was a there was a um, uh, some kind of bug that went around years ago. I don't know if you guys remember where it was converting the text into German in a file uh, in your AutoCAD drawing. You guys just ring a bell for anybody? I don't recall no. that. Uh, it's yeah. uh, it was a virus that was out there, I guess. Um, anyways, particular, uh, customer had it and they needed somebody to go in there and clean it up, up and there's, it was pretty easy to clean up, but it was, uh, you, you know, they had like a hundred file, 500 files or something like that. You know, it, it, it had hit a lot of things. It was all because one user had gotten a virus and, you know, all the files they touched essentially kind of went to kapooey. Um, we, yeah, uh, we well, had a guy that's that, a, that, that's Oh, sorry, Joe. I was just going to say to that point, like, I think that's another thing that a lot of developers are, are are realizing now is that you also have to back up like a lot of you have to you have to protect and secure um, your data and that customer's data when they're working with your plugin. Right. Because if they are transferring it, if they're having multiple executions, things like that, and someone can easily hack into it. So Britain Langdon. Britton Langdon spelled that out pretty well. I don't, Steve. I don't know if you know who Britton Langdon is. He's on uh, more on the uh, mechanical side, pipe piping side. He's uh, uh yeah, he's the he's the uh, creator of M Suite. Um, they they do like um, fabrication, status tracking, that sort of stuff, uh, mostly for uh, mechanical and piping subcontractors. Um, anyways, like he had this whole thing where he was talking about. He's like, yeah, it's great, it's great for people to you know build your own tools like get in there do dynamo regular list routines that's excellent just think about enterprise level security though because that's a real issue and uh, you know you got like that's where you have to get into like trusted applications trusted you know third-party plugins like red transit or m suite um you know like these plugins are the ones that like you know the onus is kind of on the company right the the creator like like you guys are doing the vetting you guys are keeping up with security that sort of stuff yeah, and there's as as developers, there's there's certain things we do um, 
to help vet that. And that's, you know, uh, digitally signing our EXEs and DLLs and things like that to help with those securities. Um, and then, you know, publishing if we're logging any information outside of, you know, taking information out of your drawing and storing it somewhere, um, you know, that stuff has to be documented and whatnot. Um, I personally don't have anything that does uh, around that side of uh, things. Mine is just uh, the automation side within Civil 3D, trying to, you know, mass automate um, whatever I can to, to help your designers um, accomplish what they need to do. Gotcha. So, like, I don't want to get too in the weeds on the the uh, coding side of things. I know uh, this is, <laughs> for, for some, this is probably like, oh, my God, they're talking about writing scripts and all that stuff. Dave and I are just, we're interested in it because we're going through a lot of, I used to do coding back in the day and uh, Dave's, you know, working his butt off in Dynamo these days. So, um, you know, it, it's an interesting conversation to have. That said, man, the thing I'm really interested about is every time I meet somebody that's Autodesk Expert Elite, I got to ask, man, how did you do it? I got, I got to, you know, like for all of our listeners out there, like that want to become Autodesk Expert Elite, like it, it's a process, right? You fill out this application. I, like I filled it out once and um, apparently I used uh, an email that didn't show my stuff. But anyways, I, I'm curious, man, how did you do it? What was the process for you? And, um, you know, what are some of the perks and benefits that you get out of being Autodesk Expert Elite? Yeah, so um, I, I had tried for it a few different times, um, but it's it's a lot of networking, getting to know others out there and uh, other expert elites learning, you know, about you and who you are. But, you know, out there on the forums, helping people, um, just being volunteering your time to help is a big part of it. I mean, that's that's kind of um one of the underlying things with with being an expert elite is is you know you got people answering questions on the forums for Autodesk and and just um, sort of doing that work for free um, and just being that knowledge expert to to just offer uh, whatever kind of support you can. Um, so I've gotten into you know doing that for some time. Um, unfortunately, not as much as I used to, but. Um, you know, and then speaking engagements, training. Um, I've spoke at Autodesk University a few times, and um, and that that took me a number of years. I I had submitted applications over and over again, and just never never uh, was selected. You know, but but always had um, over over the years like some really great teachers out there that you know you just remember and you you got to take their class. You know, and um. So you just get get into connecting with with those people and and talking with them and it's really the networking I feel like is a big part of it. But then once you submit for it, you know um, you have to have some backing from people and and people that recommend you as well. It's not just you know your um, your resume that gets you in there. Um, so I, I've I've met a few people from going to some conferences, um, not just Autodesk University, but different different con- conferences across the country and, and speaking engagements and whatnot, and uh, met some expert elites. And you know they they saw uh, my passion um, and knowledge in the software and and whatnot, and um, was nominated that way. That's kind of how I got into it. Um, Along with um, being involved in some some various auto support channels and trying to help uh, their customer base resolve issues. 
Yeah, man. Uh, so, like, there's a few that come to mind. I don't know if uh, these ring true for you, but, like, the Bartle brothers, um, like, you just always sign up for their stuff uh, uh, whenever, you know, like, have a chance to tune into any of their, their presentations. And I don't know, again, if you're what, what tracks you follow. I imagine mostly on the infrastructure side, but I've been taking a lot more of the ACC stuff and been through 60 these past few years. I've just been, you know, talking about that for about four years now, it seems like. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, those like instructors that stand out though, man. Um, if you find a good instructor, stick with it. And usually they're presenting every, every year. Um, are you presenting anytime soon? Have you guys, are you staying up on that? Are you presenting? Uh, I know like the remote stuff's a little different. I haven't submitted anything with, um, you know, COVID going on, um, and AU being virtual. Um, that's tough man I, it, it's been it's been hard this 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 season's just been tough it's um you know it's hard on family you know up front i mean that that's that's first and foremost right and um you know i've got a young child in kindergarten and you know my wife works and so it's it's hard to manage that and um you know last week or last year during AU I just kind of listened in and some stuff and did some um some volunteer work to help with um support and whatnot but but you know it's 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 really hard to take that time off um especially when it's virtual um it just I the, the week just fills up I feel like um because well, I'm, well, I'm you're trying to multitask when I'm virtual yeah and that's that's exactly the issue right so like that camaraderie and that like the expressions and like just getting into people's movements, like where you're captivated in, in the, in the presentation, like that all goes away as soon as you set, you're watching from your computer screen. And then to add to that, you've got your, uh, your outlook open. You've got, you know, your various, you know, uh, messenger services, Slack, I've got Slack up, I've got, you know, teams up, whatever. And, you know, somebody reaches out, has a question you're, you're, you know, now taken away from, from your presentation and I know they're all recorded and we all swear we're going to go back and watch things later. It's just, it's tough. It really is. I remember uh, every time I go to AU, first of all, that last day where it's a party and it goes down the street, like that alone is worth going to AU in person. But like the little like breakout sessions where you're just hanging out and like, Hey, look, these are fellow cat geeks. Like, or Hey, look, this guy's new or I'm new maybe. And, and I get to learn and experience from, you know, other people. Like it's, it's phenomenal. Right. Like it's, it's unrivaled in the CAD community. I mean, I've been to built and a few other ones. I just, I feel like there's something special uh, about Autodesk university and Autodesk university in person uh, specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really the in-person connections that, that I've always gained the most off of um, going to that conference. Um and I remember, you know, some of the first ones I went through back in uh, 2005 through, through like 2010. And I don't know if you guys ever went in that period, but but they had like, um, I forget what they call them exactly. There, there was like expert channels or like um, for Civil 3D, they had some classes that were like deep now i mean deep knowledge about civil 3d and it was just i just gained so much information from these great speakers that were there um it was really a good time and then just after after class talking about the workflows you do in your office and things that are you know you're interacting with it was great um and just learning different aspects and different ideas or different ways to think outside the box to use the software um 
Yeah, it's 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 definitely a worthwhile conference, and I'm not I'm not saying the the virtual one is is not worthwhile, but um, it's just not the same to me. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, there's just something about you know the breakout sessions and the you know the little networking in the halls and the you know the, just being in person. Oh, and the just, round tables, just having yeah. conversations at lunch. You know, it, the whole. The oh my experience. gosh. And Meeting strangers I, at lunch is the best part. Yeah. <laughs> right. But in all honesty, it touches back to Steve's previous point with networking and communication. I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, it, I would think it's, it's huge for becoming an Autodesk expert elite, but it's also huge for our industry in general to be able to make those connections, know who you can kind of reach out to, to ask questions or just, you know, talk with about different things going on in the industry. I mean, that's, that's a huge part of what we so, do. And if once you get that down, Mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry. So no, so it's it's funny, man. Like we, we we actually forget that you know a lot of times that in the design side, engineering side, that we're we're really part of the construction industry as a whole, and the construction industry is built on that kind of handshake, kind of like uh, you you know everybody kind of kind of ordeal. Right. Um, and that that's that's your community. I mean, we I can't tell you how many people um, that I've learned from that. I just know that like um, they've gone from one one position somewhere to the competitor to down the street or whatever. It's just like it doesn't matter because we're all like one family. We're, we're construction is a big industry, but yet it still seems so small that you just know who everybody is. It's crazy and um, it's personable. Like it's everybody everybody wants to like meet you. Like everybody wants to see you face to face. But I tell you what, man, you put that screen up and you got, you know, 3,000 attendees, nobody cares. They're, we're just going to put you on a mute when we got a phone call or we're going to uh, do the Outlook, you know, email back and forth and, you know, pop that up. And yeah. maybe we got got the webinar off in the background. Dave, you and I did a presentation for uh, Digital Construction Works. Um, and I, I'm not relegating this conversation to Autodesk University, just all large web conferences, you know, in general, as we've gotten away from the in-person stuff. Uh, but like you and I, Dave, we did digital construction works and like, yeah, it was fun, but it just, it didn't seem like fun enough, like being on it a wasn't stage. It was the same. Or, yeah. Yeah. It just, no. It, yeah. And our good like, friend, uh, a, uh, Rob Sinclair was on that with us as well. Dude, I'd say being, being a presenter, being in front of people, that's another thing thing that, that I really love about that got me into teaching really and, and into presenting because you get to watch the, the people as you're talking, as you're going through different things and you can kind of gauge how they're taking it, right? You gauge the people that are maybe not understanding it completely. The people that are really excited for it. There are people that are maybe, you know, a little lost or, or they're just completely confused. And you, I mean, for me, that helps because then I can start breaking things down. I can slow down a little bit. You can adjust it however you need to based on your audience, right? And, and without yeah. being able to see them, without mm-hmm. getting that so, feedback, without having that, it's kind of hard to give the best presentation that you can. I mean, you still right. try, but so, it is. So my dearest friend, Kevin Clausen, who is one of your friends as well, Dave, he, he has like this energy, like he's a... He's a succubus for the crowd. Like he needs the energy from the crowd. Like he is one of the most knowledgeable civil 3D guys ever. But like you just like if you see him live, like it just it's so much more. Like there's like he's a rock star in the room when he's when he's presenting. 
But I guarantee you, man, like if you put them up in one of those screens and, you know, you can't feed off the energy uh, in the, in the, from the audience, it's just different. It's, it's a different experience. But I don't know. He's a rock star. He might be able to pull it off. I don't know. I just know that, like, when I see people <laughs> like that live, like, you can see them drawing off the energy. Like, those type of people, like, there's an energy in the cloud. It's like, he could be talking about dirt. I don't really care. Like, he's really interesting to listen to, though. Yeah. Mm. Now, Steve, if I can, I wanted to ask something as well. I mean, we, we kind of got into it earlier in terms of talking about, you know, the different LISP routines and helping with pipe networks. I wanted to ask about your um, your tool sets because I know I saw them on the Autodesk App Store, so they can be downloaded there, brought directly into the Autodesk products. But um, one of the questions I was solving, I know I know p- piping networks, that's a huge one. But what other pain points would you find that your your tool sets are kind of solving for um, the industry? Uh, I mean, I, I've got a, I, I have another set of tools around surfaces that uh, just some some basic things with civil 3D surfaces, um, such as extracting elevations at any uh, elevation that you need or a contour. I mean, that's a common thing that we run into. I, I get engineers ask me that all the time. Hey, I need, you know, this water level elevation of 98.65. And in civil 3D, it's just a real to get that I mean you have to either add a user contour or you have to change your contour display to uh, you know to show that that interval and then you got to go through an extraction process and so you know I've written some tools around that to just type in an elevation and boom there's your polyline at that elevation um, you know it, there's a lot of little stuff like that that the data is all there and it's why don't we have those capabilities to just extract that information right out of the model. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. For what you need. And so there's a lot of tools that I write around that. I've got a, I've got a whole nother uh, tool, you know, being in the landfill side for so, for so long, they, uh, you know, a lot of the engineers were using software to calculate um, slope failures. And so, you know, to be able to take a profile out and bring it into that software was a real pain because you got to bring it down to zero common zero and then you know adjust for the elevation you know because that software is um just the way that that software looks at the at the at the profile um and so transferring data from you know one resource to another is is a difficult process and was you know it took i don't know probably hour hour and a half per profile for a designer to to move that data and get it out there in such a way that you could dxf it out for this other software so um a lot of things around that but really you know my my big focus lately um has just been custom programming i have i have a you know a a lot of apps that i've written myself and i try to you know keep them maintained and and also add new features and whatnot but i get a lot of requests for custom programming um, and so it's, you know, automation utilities for different companies. Um, and so I, I had a, a company about a year, well, it's probably two years ago now, um, approached me about writing some tools for, for lot grading, for subdivision design. And there's nothing, you know, around that arena that really helps with designing your subdivision. And so we wrote a set of tools um, to help automate their process. 
And then, you know, we decided, hey, this is great. This is very powerful. Um, you know, a lot of people can use this. You just drag a fence through some lots and it puts all your grades consistently through your, your whole subdivision and grades out your pads and all this does offsets from your pads and, you know, with a few clicks. Um, and we were able to, uh, you know, put this out there on the market for people. And we partnered up that way where I'm hosting the licensing and, you know, they get a cut, I get a little bit of a cut of of the sale. And then we also, you know, are looking at, you know, what ways can we improve that for, uh, moving forward to to help solve more issues around lot grading. Um, so yeah, it's just been a lot of a lot of those kind of things, areas of the software that just aren't there um, out of the box to be able to to automate some of these tasks. All right, heck yeah. Now I just because I uh, I'm I'm a scanning geek, um, I and I know that there's a huge um, there's kind of a huge gap within Civil 3D. Um, of processing point clouds to generate a surface. Have you guys, have you seen anything like that come around yet? I have not, unfortunately. I th- That's one area that I've wanted to get into um, and have been wanting to try and uh, learn some of the point cloud side of it. I've, I've only dabbled with point clouds myself. Um, and I know it's, you know, more surfaces are coming um, this way, you know, with these with these scanners and whatnot to being able to go out and fly a drone and how accurate they are. I mean, it's phenomenal what what what, what the capabilities are now from what they were 10 years ago. Um, but I, I have not been gotten into that side of it, unfortunately. Maybe that's a conversation we can take offline. We can figure something out, I'm sure. There seems to be a lot of uh, lot to be desired, I guess, when we're dealing with that. And the consensus seems to be like, oh, push it through recap and then Infoworks. And then uh, maybe you'll get the data you need in Civil 3D. I don't know if you've gone down that route with uh, Infoworks or gotten into recap or what, what programs you're, you're familiar with outside of uh, Civil 3D. But it seems like now it's like, hey, let's focus on the whole AEC collection as a whole, not, not just one product. Yeah, I've definitely done some InfraWorks um, modeling and whatnot. I, I've helped with um, some various aspects there um, and building models in Inventor for use um, in InfraWorks, building parametric models, which if you've used Inventor, um, you know, has a whole VB uh, programming side of it to automate yeah. the Inventor models. Um, and so I've taken my programming knowledge in .NET and, you know, been able to utilize that um, from the inventor side as well. Um, is that like iLogic? Yeah, the that? iLogic, yeah. exactly. You know? So are you are you familiar then with, uh, I'm assuming you're familiar with uh, Parts Builder and that inv- inventor engine kind of behind there. I mean, that's a more antiquated way. Inventor in itself is just much cleaner, but I imagine that's got to have a little bit of correlation to, to you getting an inventor now. Yeah, I've done some with the part builder for pipe networks and civil 3D over the years, but um, it, it part builder is, I don't know, it, it it's always had its problems and it, it's, it's it got an update though in in the what 2017 2018. It just it still seems a little bit hard to use. Like I'd rather just go to Inventor. Yeah, definitely. It's it 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 is it's hard to use. It's it's um difficult to to follow i mean you're you're but it is similar to inventor in how you're dealing with work planes and things like that but it it also has some limitations as far as what it's capable of doing um or or there's a alternative way around it um i have seen some parts built with the 
at the OT State kit, the Florida um, DOT State kit. I mean, there's Florida, some- man. They're, they're like, as far as like, first of all, let's talk about this. DOTs, for those of you guys that don't know, are primarily uh, Bentley users, MicroStation users. Um, there are a few and far between uh, out there. There's what, like six or seven that are in Autodesk. And I know that's ever changing, especially with the changes Bentley's making with their uh, open roads platform and all that sort of stuff. But Florida has like dove into Civil 3D. They are like Civil 3D gurus. They've got, I, I use them, I used to use them for like a, a resource, like just going to the stuff they put out. It's amazing content. Civil 3D uh, for Florida is just great, man. They, they've really, you know, I, I make fun of Florida a lot because of Florida man and all the stuff that goes on in Florida. But uh, man, that seems to be one thing they got, they got right. Yeah, they they've they've been the leaders uh, as far as adopting civil 3D. Um, you know, their their part library is is just phenomenal if you download that. I mean, there's a ton of stuff that can be used not just in Florida as well. Um, there's been some parts in there that I've been able to use on you know for other states. Um, but uh, if you get in there and look at some of these models that they built in part part uh, builder, it's it's just daunting to think about how uh how they built that in part builder um but uh yeah i mean part builder is something that really came from you know mep if you're familiar with autocad mep um that side of it and uh i believe autocad architecture that whole underlying um functionality is is where sort of part builder kind of migrated from um but uh you know i i did a few au classes on uh the infrastructure parts editor if you're if you've heard of that um and that's using inventor and so some of those models are now shipping with civil 3d uh and they have the ability to adjust like a structure's location as far as where it's uh placed in a drawing as far yeah, as that's where you that's what i was referring to when i said they wanted they underwent that change like 2017 2018 or, or whatever it yeah. was like yep. it's just it's so much easier to use so much more it actually behaves like you would think a, a program should. Yeah, I, I've i just had problems in actually modeling my own custom parts in Inventor and bringing them in through infrastructure parts editor. There's, there's been a few issues there. And I, you know, I really wish we could get, uh, get that worked out and there would be more focus on, on that side of it. Cause it, it really just changes the game with when it comes from part builder to that um, and the capabilities that are there, uh, these different connection points and uh, you know, just some of the part builder rules that you can implement in there um, and how it's calculating sizes and whatnot. Um, you know, you got the whole iLogic side that you can add into it uh, and then being able to pass that back and forth be- between InfraWorks um, and bringing that whole picture together. Um, that was part of the reason why they went that route, uh, why all of us went that route was because it could integrate back and forth between the two. Yeah, Dave and I are pretty big fans of InfoWorks. We do quite a bit uh, with it. I just, um, I, you know, I look at the way that program behaves and even Revit for that matter, right? These dynamic parametric programs, Inventor itself, like they just, they seem like the type of tool um that that is easier to pick up more useful yet still autocad and civil 3d autocad i don't know if you knew this but autocad is the most sold autodesk program 
uh, still by a long shot each year, their licenses are, are more than any other product. Um, and But when I look at Inventor and the way it behaves or, or Formid or any of these newer UI platforms, they just seem so much easier to pick up. The cleaner UI, easier to navigate the um, the parts builder component for for uh, Civil 3D. I don't know if you guys have, I know you guys have looked at it, but like any of our listeners, if you guys have ever dabbled with it, it is the most, it, I said uh, the, the pipe, um, uh, you know, designer kind of tools the for designing pipe networks inside of Civil 3D was antiquated. The, uh, the, uh, um, the in parts builder, I keep blanking on the name here. The parts builder tool is actually the most antiquated part of Civil 3D, I think. I mean, it's 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 got to be harsh. But then you look at like where Autodesk is going with the cloud and their the cleaning UI of the newer products. It's like, come on, you're so close. Like, let's let's slap a new face on Civil 3D and 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 get us there. I mean, that infrastructure builder is is pretty nice though. Infrastructure parts builder. Yeah, it's 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 getting there, and they're they're making strides in the right direction. I think, um, you know, for wh- where I would like to see it going, um, you know, and, and I I absolutely do love InfraWorks and the way that it operates. Um, I just don't, you know, moving in that direction and and integrating back and forth between Civil 3D that workflow that's been got, you know, that that has become easier now in the latest versions, and really helping that um, to be able to. You can go back and forth between your models. Um, and I don't know if you guys have seen the bridge workflow. There's some phenomenal yeah, oh, yeah, man. bridge design. Yeah. yeah. The bridge yeah, design. I do, I do that. I do that in like 2017. I got a video out there. I don't know. I haven't tried it with 2022. Uh, because I thought in 2020 the module went away. I don't know if it's still there or not. But like that was just it was so easy. It's so seamless. Like so in InfoWorks, you for our listeners, uh, InfoWorks, you create this amazing bridge. Um, you know, when I say amazing, generic bridge, right? It uses Ashton tables. You use the Revit families engine. You convert it to, uh, or the inventor, the inventor engine creates Revit families. You open it in Revit. You kick out the corridor to Civil 3D. Civil 3D, you've got this. There's a bridge. Um, uh, what was it? Was it called the bridge? Was that what it was called? The bridge module or the infrastructure bridge module or something to that effect? Uh, yeah. Um, I recall that. And and uh, you could open Civil 3D and Revit at the same time, and if you made a change in one, it would reflect in the other one. It was just it was so great a workflow. And I, I, I used to preach this. The issue was, um, you know, most bridge designers at the time, this was like 2017, 2016, I was doing this, um, didn't well, you know weren't using Revit, so that was a hard sell. Inforex was like brand new. And, um, you know, Civil 30 was was the mainstay. So they just did Civil 30 and playing AutoCAD at the time. I, I hope it's, you know, you know, been elevated uh, more in, in, in recent years. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I mean, think, it was. Go ahead, Steve. Sorry. I, I was just going to say, I, I think I think one of the big things they've been working on is content um, as far as the bridges and, and what. Um, you know, peers and girders and, you know, uh, abutments and things like that are available and how how you can build your butt abutments and whatnot. Um, there's that that's been coming in some of the latest re- releases I've seen. Um, but the biggest thing I, I've seen as far as like modeling your rebar, because you've got that ability in Revit to, you know, Revit structure to, you know, 
fairly quickly, I think, model your rebar from what I've seen from some of the videos. I mean, you guys might be able to speak more on that. Oh, but. Dave, Dave loves modeling rebar. Yeah, and, you know, I could see this workflow passing into other aspects because I've done, you know, being from an environmental firm, we were doing like, you know, slurry walls and different, uh, you know, piers and things like that. I mean, and being able to use a parametric part modeled in Inventor and being able to pass that around in a, in a similar fashion, um, because that's really what it is. And in, in InfoWorks, it's just an alignment and you're, you know, a place and some parts along it. So you can almost use the same thing for uh, projects like that. And then, and then being able to show your rebar on your details and whatnot from a Revit standpoint. Yeah. And I mean, I really love the automation tools that Revit has as well. Like the fact that they've been able to give us rebar on a ramp, like you're just, okay, this whole surface or this wall, this entire wall, this is the system that I want. This is the size that I want, you know, just being able to specify those parameters, those needs there. And, um, it just kind of fills it in as you need to for the details. I think I think that workflow in itself is awesome. It really is. It can help speed up design. I mean, anything that we can automate, of course, we want to try to do right now. Of course, we will we will need to review that data to make sure it, it stands up to what the engineers want. But I feel like even just having that that automation there that can save you, let's say, you know, 10 minutes or 15, 20 minutes of, of some detailing. You know, you might need to make a section cut and say, OK, this is what it's going to look like in AutoCAD. But by the time that you draw out that section cut, create your tab, you know, do everything, put all your, your blocks in, everything like that, Revit's automatically creating that for you. And a quick section cut with some detail of some tags or what have you, and you have a, a, a sheet to print out from that as well. Um, I, I think, you know, the more that these programs can come together, can work together, intertwine, especially like the bridge, the structural bridge design workflows, the you know, I, I love talking about the linear feature extraction, surface creation that, you know, InfoWorks can do. You better also, love talking about it, man. You're doing a webcast on it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like a right? week or something. Man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do love having these conversations, right? Because it's it's it, it shows our industry is evolving. It's changing. It's growing. We're finding these new, faster ways to do certain things. But we're also finding that we still need that accuracy or the um safe hold of some of the other to the older tools that we've been using which is why you know we're still seeing which of course we need it the info the accuracy in infoworks is not quite where we need it to be for yeah, some it's reason, not engineering right? standards yeah no it's not so that's why we're still right. seeing that kind of round circle even if you can take it into infoworks if it's easier to create a piping network or if it's easier to extract features from a point cloud things like that it still has to come back into civil 3d it still has to be cleaned yeah. up and standardized and adjusted to the precision that it needs to be well right? that's where autodesk made this shift in marketing right they were saying like initially this is going to be the product that replaces civil 3d isn't it great here it is blah 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 and then it turned into a hey look at this preliminary conceptual design tool that we got and um and i feel like that's probably where it's the strongest is like Hey, look, man, I'll bang out like 80% of your drawing right now. Yeah, don't don't focus on the accuracy, but you wanted a bridge. Here's a bridge. Or you wanted some roads with some real-world data behind it. Here you go. Yeah, it's kind of clunky. It's not the greatest. It's going to need some detail and fine-tuning. But, hey, look, that's where your design application comes in. Well, and, and that's, that's where also where it shines. That's InfoWorks space all day yeah, long. That's, that's nowadays where Inventor is, is helping us to get in and get some of the accuracy within these parametric families that we can design. 
you know what I mean? And making them into Revit families that are automatically translatable. I think yeah. the more that we see this, uh, you know, kind of working together, this cooperation between the programs, I really see our, our industry pushing forward. I really do. Well, that's yeah. something that happens every year now. Like, so like, you know, before we didn't have that Revit insight into, into Infor or into Inventor, before it was like, hey, let's Inventor to Revit. But now like there's a direct integration between say, Revenant and Inventor that actually worked pretty well. Um, and then like there was this hierarchy issue, right? If I was um, throwing this out there as a reference, just because this is something I'd run into, but like if I designed um, distribution facilities, I'm not going to design that, even though it's a building, I'm not going to design the distribution facility, the, the uh, components inside of in, in Revit. I mean, the design of Inventor, but they got to get into the AEC space. They've got to get into the construction side, rather. Um, so how do I do that? Well, if I export that stuff into Revit, into Revit, it loses all of its hierarchy. The only way to keep its hierarchy is inside of Navisworks, but you lose a lot of uh, data inside of Navisworks. It's mostly geometry. It's uneditable. Like, there's a bunch of stuff. So, like, we're just now getting to this, this like, hey, look, BIM and SIM is really happening, and you can work between your programs. And that is exceptional. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with that, Dave, man. I, I just, uh, I feel like, is Inventor going to solve all the problems for us? Is that is that where we're getting to? Well, I think it's a, uh, you know, it gives you that parametric modeling capability, and it can be used across different platforms. But where it's missing right now, in my opinion, is is on the AutoCAD and Civil 3D side. I mean, we we need the that. legacy products. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, to be able to. If we could insert an invent, an inventor model that is, uh, you know, fairly easy to operate inside of Civil 3D, that could be huge to be able to project it to a profile view. I mean, we kind of already have that ability a little bit with this infrastructure parts editor, but it's it, you're you're limited as to what you can do with it. But if I can just take any parametric model and drop it into Civil 3D and project it onto a profile view or use it on my plan view or, or what have you, kind of like a dynamic block, right? Like if I could have that capability or a multi-view block um, that is still an inventor model that I could pass around between all these different softwares, like that, that that's what we need. Um, I think we're, I think we're dumping <laughs> like myself, like I'm, we're dumping on Civil 3D and Autodesk a little bit. We love Autodesk products, which is why we're, so passionate about this conversation yeah um, it's just like we we want so much more like come right. on you, you've there, got there's, always, right there. there's always there's always more there's always yeah. gonna but yeah well that's I mean, where it, tools like your tools come in right like autodesk software you know it gets you 80 percent of the way we'll get to the other 20 percent of the way it's these these little plugins or getting a custom script written from uh, red transit um like it's it's working with Autodesk expert elite and knowledgeable staff like yourself, like people like yourself. I say staff, like like you're on staff at Autodesk, but like no, you're 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 answering questions uh, on the knowledge network, or at least you were. Like um, like this is these are the resources that people reach out to. I can't tell you how many Autodesk. Uh, I don't know if they were expert elite or or whatever, because this is probably back before I even paid attention to that sort of stuff. But like in the beginning times, it was it was the people answering the forums that got me over my humps, like um, the, the stupid basic stuff or of Autodesk crashing of civil 30 crashing twice a day. Like it was the Autodesk expert elite. It was the guys answering the knowledge forums, not necessarily employed by Autodesk, but you know, 
that that's real knowledge and it's shareable and I love it, man. That was a great, great platform. I love this new way they're going now with the services marketplace and that sort of stuff. So that's a cool thing to get involved with if you're not already. But um, I don't know. There's just seem there. Autodesk has been around for so long. There's just so many people that know things like a little nugget that that like we could all just glean so much from. And maybe that's where Dynamo and List Routines help us out because those people are putting out that type of content. But anyways, man, I'm passionate about this stuff. You know, I am, I just, uh, Steve, what, what, what's the big thing you're passionate about? You mentioned the landfill section, but like, what's the, the one industry that just puts you over or the one like program, obviously I'm, I'm assuming civil 3d, but where is this kind of like, uh, the fire driven for you? Yeah. For, for me, it's, it's, it's always been around AutoCAD and civil 3d, you know, I've been using AutoCAD since, um, early, you know, freshman year of high school and, um, you know, but it, it's, it's more than just that. I mean, I, I love the software. I love using it, but it, it, for me, it honestly has always been around helping people and teaching people and, um, you know, and that side of it. And, you know, I always, I often reflect, um, back on, the different mentors that I've had over the years, you know, I had people that pushed me along. I had people in my first firm that I've worked with and um, that are now retired. And, you know, they, they, they pushed me. They said, Steve, you got to learn Lisp. You got to do this. You, you got to, you know, you get into the automation side, you know, um, but they always, you know, why can't the software do this, Steve, you know, and always pushing me to figure out how to make that happen. And, but then also teaching me, uh, you know, whether it's parts of the industry or parts of the software, you know, I learned a lot from from all these people. And so, you know, now being 20 years into my career, you know, that, that's been really a lot of my passion is really helping to share my knowledge and my experience with others. And how can I make their day to day jobs easier? So, like, this is the stuff Dave and I like to hear, man. We love to hear about how people are coaching the next the next generation and obviously you know the the biggest thing is be software agnostic as much as you can and just solve problems because that's really what it boils down to solve problems um dave and i almost have a a hero complex i'll I'll put that out there and and i'll put that there and own it um (laughs) we we like to solve we like to like you know like there's something rewarding about like solving something like oh you you're really running into this? Well, have you tried doing it this way and utilizing right. this? Or have you explored this tool over here? Because it'll actually edit all your pipe nodes at one, you know, one go run. That way you're not, you know, you're taking, you know, eight hours a week or something like that. And they're, they're like, oh my God, what? Right. Like that's the stuff, like that's the stuff that like we just, we feed off of where, you know, I, I said Kevin was a succubus. You and I, Dave, we're succubuses, man. Like we're all about like that energy and we, I, succubus is the wrong word, I know. But, um, we just feed off of like, that, <laughs> nice. that, yeah. that, uh, uh, that energy from, from people. Like we, we need that. Like we need that kind of, uh, um, I'm just going to dumb it down and say hero complex. We need that kind of, uh, we, we fall into that category. We need that kind of adoration. And, mm-hmm. and well, with that though, like we like to educate helping people. You say what you want. I think it's helping people. Like the feeling that you get Polish from helping a person. Yes, I will. <laughs> no, but I think that feeling that you get of helping people like to really solve these problems that they're having, because I mean, every if you're having this problem, somebody else somewhere oh, exactly. somewhere else yeah. is having the same problem. And if you exactly. can help somebody yeah. figure that out, 
I mean, it's awesome. It, like, it really is. And I'm not glamorizing it by saying, oh, we just solved your problem. We're a halo complex. No, there's like painstaking hours of like us doing research, trying to figure out stuff to to make it work like like a um, – like we're a madman just in the back, like I'm gonna fix this for them. I'm gonna solve this. You just wait. Like that's like where our mindset's at, and and uh, we we just want to make sure that people are are helped and and uh, you know they're getting over it, right? We don't want people to find displeasure. We want to find them, you know, help them find get over that next hump, that sort of thing. But as you were just saying, like getting the next person, the next uh, generation even, and involved with this and like helping them line up. Like, look, you should do this, this, and this, or focus on this. Or maybe you should dive down this rabbit hole because this is actually going to help you and your firm, you know, three years from now and, you know, whatever. Like, that's that's where Dave and I are. Like, we're all about educating the next generation and helping people find a path into the AEC industry because everybody has this misconception that uh, construction is all about banging hammers. Well, I'll tell you what, man, banging hammers builds the building, but uh, and that's a, an important part. But there's more technology involved than you could shake a hammer at. It's crazy. Yeah, no, and I think I think you hit it earlier on how small our uh, community really is. I mean, we live in this big, big world, but in and construction industry seems huge, but it's such a small network. And and how many people, you know, uh, have been influenced by somebody else that you might know, right? I mean, there, there's just so many things that that you find day to day that you're you're into. Um, and every everybody that's listening to this podcast can think back of you know who's who's their mentor who's been helping them through the years and and that's really you know what it comes down to being in the job is you know how can we motivate people how can we get them excited about the software how can we you know help them solve their problems make their jobs easier and um, you know and pass that down to others yeah I completely agree now can I ask you Steve because um, we've been talking a lot about them this whole podcast, but uh, if somebody wanted to use a free trial of your tools, where would where would they find them? Yeah, uh, on my website, you can go to redtransitconsultants.com. Um, you can reach me through that website. There's links on there for my support channel. You can just send me an email either um, you know through the support channel, and uh, I usually respond fairly quickly um, in helping with that. So. That's awesome, man. So like, I'm, you know, I've been on your website quite a bit. And uh, the thing that stuck out to me the most was that you support all the way back to 2013, which is insane. Who does that? I think, you know, we're talking we're talking about Civil 30 being legacy in its current form. That's uh, that's pretty insane that you would uh, write your tools to 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 go back that far. Are you seeing a lot of customers or is that just uh, just because that's where they started and you just keep writing them forward? No, honestly, in 2013, there was a significant API change. Um, 2007 and up through 2012, there was a lot of com calls in which you had to release different versions, each um, each one to you know have the specific uh, AutoCAD version call. Um, so 2013, there was a, a big change to move more integrated over to .NET. Um, and so that's really kind of where a lot of like the app store started for Autodesk um, was right around that same time. And uh, so most of the tools and, and with Civil 3D, the API has just been built on. So I always build in functionality, you know, as new features are released and whatnot that I, I'm checking which version it is to make sure that that um, 
certain component or whatever that I might be referencing is is uh, you know up to date in your current version, um, which now you know essentially you know 2018, 2019, 2020 that you know it's all got a lot of the same stuff. There's a few new things here and there, but um, that's that's more or less why is because of Win.net really started to take take effect as far as the API. Oh, all right. Well, that makes sense. It seems to be like the every three years out of the center goes a change or somewhat of a change. I won't say it's a major change, uh, but for the uh, the APIs for Civil 3D specifically, not well primarily AutoCAD and that affects Civil 3D. But like um, uh, what 2017 or 2018, they did that big DWG switch the way that AutoCAD DWGs functioned, and you had to be on that version or newer for Civil 3D to to um you know take advantage of that elements and we've always had an issue with proxy objects and that sort of stuff but that just seemed to be a big year and 2013 as you were saying like it was it's just been uh it's good to know that pro the progress is going into the the develop you know the development is, is moving forward the progress is going in the products uh, that we're actually seeing these types of developments it's just you know if you're using a legacy price like dang it like all right i'll upgrade right So are you seeing a lot of people in older versions or is it all uh, or are most of your customers in newer versions? I think what I've seen, uh, I've still seen a few people on on 2018, but most have been, you know, that or newer. Um, it seems like most people, um, honestly, you know, as soon as the, the latest release comes out, I'm getting emails. Hey, when's your product going to be available for the next release? Um, you know, I, I get a lot of those emails and usually, you know, the the, the latest re release will come out. Um, but as far as like releasing for the app store and things like that, they're always like a month or two behind. Um, just like any of the civil 3D extensions are, they're always a month or two behind the product release. Um, and that's just, you know, there's there's always going to be a few bugs and whatnot that they find in a product release. And uh, that that kind of goes into play with that. So, yeah, I usually uh, advise uh, customers I work with, uh, you know, stay at least if, if you're going to move to the latest version, wait till they're on the second service pack, um, you know, play around with it. If you're the bin manager, cat manager, put it through its paces. But uh, uh, if you're going into production, wait, wait till the first service pack you know at the at the least but wait to the second service pack uh if you can yeah and that's I'm, I'm along the same boat you know I, I i like to get in there and try the latest version as quick as possible in fact I, you know i'm involved in the beta program as well so i'm you know sometimes sampling that but um you know just trying to uh you know be be abreast of all the changes that are coming and and what's going to be out there and so but I always tell people, you know, that first, very first release is is not for production. Really. Yeah. You know, that's for them, for everybody it, to. You know, but, uh, but, to yeah, you're you're likely gonna have a few issues here and there. So wait till SP one or 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 one update at least. Yeah, I usually tell people like, look, man, that's where they find out uh, from all the people that are playing with it. You know, where it's really an issue don't be don't be bleeding edge but wait to the second second yeah. update or, or the first uh, service pack at least and and uh you know going at it you know that said man they've gotten a little bit tighter so i'll give them that that credit 
They have. Um, absolutely. Some some of you know what what they've been doing now, and and a lot of people don't realize this, but you know the updates are you have you have a civil 3D update, you have an AutoCAD update, and a map update. You know when it comes to civil 3D itself, because it runs on all three products. It also runs on architecture, AutoCAD architecture. Um, but that is included in the updates, so you don't have to do anything there. But, I, but there's three updates to install. I didn't know that that was part of the uh, um, the. I didn't know AutoCAD architecture was in, like the Civil 3D functionality had anything to do with that. Like I didn't even put that together. I knew Map 3D obviously. Map 3D kind of seems to be like a. So I, my background is GIS. I came from that was the program I studied in, in uh, college. My bachelor's degree yeah. was GIS. And like we never talked about Map 3D, never. Not until I got into production that somebody ever mentioned Map 3D, and it was just because they had a file, and not that they were actually using it. Everybody used RTIS, or uh, there's another one that primarily used in real estate. I forgot, but like Map 3D at its core, I mean, it's a it's a GIS tool, and uh, it's Civil 3D is baked on top of it, so it had all that functionality. If, uh, FDO uh, functionality, like it was, it was a good functionality, it was a good tool. Um, I just, uh, we have a good buddy that of ours, Doug Lordson, who um, was on that team at Autodesk, and you know he he loves it, he swears by it. It just uh, they kind of discontinued the a lot of the, the the map services, the cloud map services at least, uh, um, the webs, what was it, the server map server or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of discontinued that, which kind of sucked. But um, yeah. other than that, I didn't really know too much about it. But yeah, I knew it was based on that functionality, and I still use those commands today. Like if I'm converting uh, coordinate systems, it's easier to use the map functionality than it is to use the Civil 3D functionality. Um, but yeah, man, like you know, um, we can talk Civil 3D till we're blue in the face. Uh, we we actually have a few uh, listeners that have reached out to us that have specifically said like, you guys got to come more into the the infrastructure side, specifically focusing on site development, site contracts. So, like talking sure. about civil 3D in this space is is great. Have you gotten into any tools for site contractors? I mean, you mentioned earlier your your um, subdivision stuff for I'm assuming for civil engineers, but have you done anything for site contractors to kind of make it easier? I'm just saying, like that's probably a good focus. Yeah, I mean, as far as like. Um... I, just around quantity gathering, um, there's been there's been uh, a few tools that I've written around gathering uh, the quantities out of your civil 3D model um, more efficient, more effectively, I should say. I mean, there, there's there's the civil 3D report capability to gather quantities, but um, there's some aspects of that that just don't filter down enough. Um, and so I've written some tools around that with like. Um, again with pipe networks with network quantities and finding you know like parts or structures and and really quantifying that down or you know pipes by depth or structures by depth and kind of trying to quantify that way because that kind of ties into the construction side um yeah that seems to be where we're we're lacking these days is on the construction side and everybody you know we talk about digital construction dave and i are very passionate about the the digital construction side of things. But when we talk about digital construction, part of it is you have to convey uh, to somebody something that they couldn't just read on plans. And part of it is, you know, what more be- what benefits can I get from this model? And the benefits, in my mind, Civil 3D is a perfect SIM tool. If the information's in the model, it's just you got to know how to access the information. Or maybe it's not easily accessible and you got to use Red Transit tools to get there. Um, but 
you know, the information's there, figure that out. And, and, and construction can actually um, really evolve based off of the, the data that's in civil 3D files. The issue is they obviously don't get a lot of civil 3D files. They get a lot of dumbed down, exploded DWGs, which it's a contractual conversation to have later on. And Dave and I will dive into that. But yeah, sorry, man. I, I get, you know, I just talk about this stuff all the time. Um, and I'm so interested in, in fixing these little nuances and these pieces. And, you know, the program only does so much. And we really got to rely on on people with a mind for how the program works to kind of figure it out and like tell us, like, look, you want you need this. You know, you need this. The way to get this is you actually need to do it this way or find a plugin that does this, you know, X, Y and Z for you. And um, so I'm kind of passionate about about that aspect. Uh, I do want to dive in more into your tools and. Uh, I'd love to actually include a link uh, to not only your tools, but maybe a video or some sort so people can actually see the benefits that they actually gain out of uh, Red Transit's tools here. Yeah, I, I have a YouTube channel around that as well that I can um, send you after the call that uh, kind of directs them to that. Um, but there's, I, you know, I, just kind of I hope your YouTube channel is more popular than ours. I'm just going <laughs> 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 throw that there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, it's just YouTube is is helpful, I think, when it comes to software to actually see, you know, the, the software actually working. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know for dial in for other things. I don't know uh, how people handle that. But well, well, I mean, Joe Rogan's doing well on YouTube, or at least he was, I imagine. Um, but like, you know, if you're not a YouTube star or an influencer, it's probably a little bit like hey, if you're not unboxing kids toys on you you know on youtube and we got to get you might be in the, you might be yeah, yeah you might be on the wrong <laughs> wrong uh, platform yeah hey look man i'm happy to light up a flamethrower uh in my in my basement uh but but that said man like that's how i learned like i was a youtube I, i'm i'm youtube trained uh, i'll say man like i sat in a lot of formal classes afterwards but like when i needed to get something out like it was all it was all youtube man that's that's what got me through Honestly, yeah. that's what I watched a lot of when I first got started as well with the Revit kid, um, the Balkan architect. There's a lot of different videos. Paul Aubin makes a lot of, you know, he has his own YouTube channel. Yeah, I watched a lot of a lot of those videos on YouTube to really help me figure out like the picks and clicks and what I was doing wrong. If I couldn't get something to work right, I'd watch a video. I mean, it's easy to read stuff, too, but if you could see someone go through the actual interface do picks and clicks or what have you to show you the steps that you need to do. Sometimes it's actually a little bit easier to digest and follow along. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that for sure. I mean, to, to see it, how, how things are done is helpful. I don't know. For me though, I've always been a doer. I, I have to be using the software and, and, you know, to, especially to remember how I'm doing it and, and what I'm doing, you know, I gotta, yeah. I gotta, through the exercise. Oh yeah, yep, I have to follow through as well. And then in all honesty, I have to take notes on it. I, I follow through, I do the picks and clicks, but I also take notes on it just because I feel like uh, for me personally, forcing myself to write down the steps of it further ingrains it into my memory. Not only just picking and clicking, like following through, but taking the notes and kind of forcing myself to go through it, you know, multiple times. That's how I've kind of learned that I, I how I can uh, memorize it, right? How I retain it. Otherwise, you know, it, it can fall on the wayside. And then 
you're definitely right there. If I'm watching a video, I have to have my computer up because I want to follow through and, and follow those steps, pause it, rewind it, you know, keep watching it, things like that. Because if I'm just watching it without, you know, my program up, uh, I'm probably not going to remember, let's say about 50% of that video. I probably still can't design a roof in Revit just just because I try to do it from memory. <laughs> oh, I watched this video earlier in the day. I'll try and recreate it now. And then for some reason, my roof doesn't close. I'm like, ah, damn it, this sucks. But hey, man, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> Steve, man, it, it's been great, dude. Like, uh, Dave and I, man, we'll ramble on for hours. To, but we'll uh, we'll save you the weekend here. But yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you talk about um, a passion for a product that has probably gotten the most flack, Civil 3D. It's been around for a while. It's kind of old in the tooth. It replaced LDD. LDD, you know, you know, up until probably 40 years ago, I still had customers running LDD, and I'm still trying to talk them into Civil 3D. And they're like, no, this works. This does <laughs> this does what I need. And uh, Civil 3D has just been one of those applications that, you know, it's it's a great application. It's built on AutoCAD, which in my mind, AutoCAD's rock solid. Uh, but to find people that are passionate about it, to find people that develop tools on it, to find people that are still, you know, figuring out ways to to uh, make it do something it, it isn't already doing. You mentioned earlier your customer development services. That to me is has got to be probably the most uh, beneficial for somebody to take advantage of because there are so many tools out there already for Revit. So many people have solved most of the problems that you could think of, like um, uh, that you would think of, right? Like the, the bigger issues, right? But I'll tell you, I talk to firms almost daily in stuff like landscaping in, in, in civil 3d. It's a pain in the ass. Like nobody, nobody wants to do it in civil 3d. There's plugins in there, but they, they're not great. They don't work well. So like finding somebody to write a tool for them, something, something that, that, what I'm, I guess, what I'm trying to say in a long-winded speech here is, Civil 30 has a lot of, lot of uh, development left in it. Like people can still find new ways of utilizing it for their workflows, and even old workflows need to be improved. And I feel like, man, like people like you guys that are really evangelizing this and pushing it forward, this is really the next, or not even the next, but like the the best way for people to get involved with Civil 30. Like if you're on the fence of Civil 30, you really got to chat with folks like Red Transit to to really make it sing for you guys. Definitely, definitely. And I, I just just to, to, to send that point home, I feel like there's, you know, uh, there's so many things that, that go into, let's say, learning another program. If Civil 3D, you know, gets you half to three quarters of the way there, and then maybe you have to go to another program. I mean, in all honesty, let's think about the investment that you're 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 getting into there, not only getting the license, maybe you have access to it, but there's a learning curve. There's different things that, to try and get the documentation and your standards to match. If you can find a plugin that's literally going to help you stay in the same program, but maximize the program that you're using to really optimize those processes that you're currently using and you're, you know, get to that finish line of delivering your documentation the way that you want it to. I feel like that's a better investment than again, trying to learn a whole nother program. And then you really have to worry about even the interpretation of the data right there, right? Because you don't know if everything's going to translate over accordingly. So yeah, I, I completely, I, I think that in itself is a huge key. If you can utilize the same program, like, you know, as Joey said there, Civil 3D has a lot of potential still lying there under the surface. I it mean, does. it is a huge, huge program. It's... And 
if you can figure those little pieces out, those little switches that are lying under the surface to give you that data that you need, and someone has that in a plugin, don't go looking to other softwares. Maybe look around to see what plugins are there. See who's filled that gap for you, man. Bridging exactly. the gap, babe. Drink up, Bridging man. Bridging the gap. Woo, woo. Here it is. Yeah, and, and there, there's there's a ton of stuff out there on the App Store. So, I mean, I, I know that I don't have everything out there. I mean, I, I have some great tools, in my opinion, but there's a lot of really great things I've seen people write that they just put out there on the App Store. And, and um, it, it's a great resource if you're un, unsure of where to find apps and whatnot. The Autodesk App Store is a good place to start to get you out there and, and even to find developers. Right? All the to App find developers. So it, them, themselves, people that know the software, you know, you can reach out through right through the developers through the Autodesk App Store. And it's verified, right? Like, so it's like the the iTunes, right. the, the Appy App Store, right? You want a verified developer of your 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 tools for your program, right? You know, if you're in a civil engineer, your bread and butter is in that design work. You know, let's look for a verified developer. Let's look for somebody on that App Store who's been vetted. Um, so that said, man, Steve. Uh, kind of hitting back on what Kevin or uh, what uh, David said. Sorry, man, I'm blanking on your name. We've only done a million podcasts together and been friends for a dozen years, but hey, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> uh, so, like you mentioned earlier, you, you said like the the cost, right? And and I just got to say, Steve, your pricing structure for your and I, it seems like we're probably giving like a, a speech here on your on your uh, um, on your tools here, but. I just gotta say, man, I just looked at the price for your tools. It was it was insanely cheap. I can't I can't even believe that that's the price that you guys charge, and then that your your annual maintenance is very inconsequential. So that's pretty crazy, dude. So uh, um, more power to you guys. Like if you guys haven't seen his his tools, man, we'll include a link. Uh, I'm I'm kind of blown away yeah. that the price is there. The, the price is what it is. Uh, you, Dave, you and I will dive into these tools a little bit further ourselves over the next coming yeah, weeks. Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, we, we had some vacation, so I apologize for missing that. But yeah, dude, I want to say thank you again, Steve, for coming on to the podcast. We always love having different people on, coming from different parts of the industry. You know, as Joey said earlier, you know, it is brewing with BIM, but we really focus on the eye. We focus on the information that translates between, because in the construction industry, in our industry, that's one of the biggest points. That's one of the biggest things that everybody needs, no matter their position in the in the project, whether it's an owner, it's a GC, it's a subcontractor, everybody needs that information, right? And they need it in a way that they can get to it. And it all really starts with design, right? And, and then of course, has to keep going through design as it evolves to make something that is constructible and something that makes sense, but also reports to a way that is gonna be beneficial for the owner and anybody else involved in that process as well. So yeah, dude, thank you so much for coming on. And I know that, I mean, we only barely touched on the InfraWorks sector. And honestly, I felt like that could be a whole nother podcast because I really want to- That's what we love, man. But I do, before you jump off, Dave, I do want to go ahead and extend an invite to you, Steve, to come back on another episode because we want to jump into this further. But also, yes. Dave and I are still putting together this series. We're still- you know, lining up the different parts of like, you know, the we're trying to map out the uh, AEC process in its entirety. And part of it is, um, you know, right, we need those, the civil engineer consulting environmental side of it. Um, and we want to talk about that in, in a greater scope. And I feel like maybe this is something you could lend your expertise to. Yeah, no, I, 
Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to come back on for another show. Um, Really appreciate you guys uh, having me. Um, It's been great. It's been fun uh, just getting into talking about, uh, you know, what we love to do and and the software we're using day in and day out. So, um, and how, how we can help others, uh, you know, learn more, dig more into it and, and think outside the box of, uh, you know, what, what's given to us. Heck yeah, man. And I promise guys, next time I'll drink better beer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All right, guys. Well, you guys enjoy a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You as well.